seconds, eight seconds, seven seconds. Oladipo to win Another it. Another one! Another one! Another one! Another one! You can see it in the air! Victor Oladipo has given the Pacers a one-point lead. You're listening to the PGM Podcast, a part of the Pulse Podcast Network. PGM is a Pacers group message stretched over three years of banter, debate, and pure chaos. The 13 of us want to bring that conversation to you. Go Pacers. Thanks for tuning in. All right, welcome back to the PGM podcast. Today, I'm joined by special guest, special guest Chris Denary, television play-by-play announcer for the Indiana Pacers. Chris, you've been with the Pacers for 13 seasons. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, this is my 13th year. Just uh, celebrated my uh, 1,000th telecast a couple of weeks ago against the Lakers. So hard to believe. That's so impressive. That's 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 awesome to hear. Uh, but but the Pacers doesn't just it's not just the broad brush of broadcasting that you've done. Uh, you've been doing broadcasting in Indianapolis for, for over 30 years. Is that true? Yep. 30 years. Uh, started, uh, uh, I was the sports information director at University of Indianapolis uh, from 1985 to 88 and uh, did a lot of play-by-play there for the Greyhounds as well as high school basketball and things like that. Um, you know, was the longtime radio voice of Butler basketball for 17 years. I've done the Colts post game show, did that for about six or seven years. Sports director at Fox 59. Um, you know, I'm on the Indianapolis Motor Speedway radio network. So, yeah, just a lot of great opportunities have come my way. And, uh, you know, to be the television voice of the Pacers is uh, an awesome opportunity and a a uh, big time responsibility as well to be that link uh, to people like you and the people that are listening to this podcast. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, Chris, growing up, obviously uh, you, you grew up in the Indy area. You went to Westfield high school. Uh, were, so were you a Pacer fan growing up? Was that, was that your team? Were you, were you a basketball guy or I know you obviously played basketball and, and won actually a championship at Wabash, but was, were the Pacers your team? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I didn't move to Indiana until I was an eighth grader uh, in the mid seventies. So gotcha. um, I, I, I followed the the Pacers in the NBA and then uh, we moved up to Wabash, Indiana and lived there for three years from my eighth grade to sophomore year. And then we moved to Westfield when I was a junior and uh, I used to play. In fact, it was funny. Uh, last night uh, we were in Detroit and I ran into James Edwards who played for the Pacers uh, back in the late seventies. And I, I told him, I said, I sort of got my start. I used to play stratomatic basketball in my bedroom and I would call games into a tape recorder. <laughs> and, and there were two years in a row where I would take the, the pacer season and I would play 82 games. You know, I would basically mirror the Pacers schedule via stratomatic. And I didn't, I didn't put all those games on, uh, on a cassette because I, I didn't have enough money to buy cassettes, you know, that <laughs> right. time. But I would, but I would play games and then I would chart it and keep stats and all those kinds of things. So, um, yeah, I, I can say I, I definitely was a Pacers fan. I loved, uh, you know, I loved basketball. My dad was a high school coach. He was my high school coach at Westfield. So, um, 
there's no question that, uh, you know, I followed the Pacers and, and, you know, wanted them to be successful and, you know, they weren't as successful back in the seventies and, and the eighties until Reggie, really Reggie Miller came along. Right. And, uh, so yeah, it was a lot of fun. That, that, that's super cool. That's super cool. Uh, of your time at, at Wabash was, uh, did you do any, obviously you were playing, right? So you, did you, did you have opportunities to do play by play for other sports or was it kind of just, you know, where did that, where did all your opportunity for the, the broadcasting at a younger age come from? Cause I know you're an athlete yourself. Yeah. Um, I, I did play basketball four years, so I, I was not able to do that, but, um, beginning my sophomore year, I became the uh, radio play-by-play voice of the football team. And we okay. did, ev- we did every game on radio. And so that was a great opportunity. In fact, I'll go back to my freshman year. I, I'm the oldest of five kids. Okay. And when when my dad, when we drove over uh, State Road 32 over to Crawfordsville, my dad, um, you know, dropped me off and and uh, Wabash has a really cool mall and the mall outside was set up with various tables that you could go to. And my dad said, you know, the you know, with all your love of sports and you love to keep stats and you love to talk about the game, he goes, I think you ought to look into the radio station. Uh, because they had a campus radio station. And so I went over and from day one, um, I got involved and had my own radio show. I, I you know, was a DJ. I, I created a sports talk show that, you know, I might have been doing with one person listening. Who knows? <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I, I got involved on the on the radio side from day one. Um, I was an English major speech minor, uh, Wabash as a liberal arts school, so it's not like it could major in communications or media or those types of things. But I was very fortunate. I had a advisor who was an English professor by the name of Toby Herzog, and his college roommate was Denny Matthews, who to this day is still the radio voice of the Kansas City Royals um, baseball team. So I was able to, you know, put some things on cassette and Toby would send those to Denny Matthews. so so that Denny could could listen and uh, so that was a real advantage for me that even though I was at a small school not known for broadcasting I I did have the opportunity you know one to get plenty of work and reps but also to have somebody looking out for me and and I think that was uh, a real advantage for me. Speaking of that that mentor kind of relationship earlier uh, in the month, um, we got to talk to Pat, Pat Boylan, and he spoke so highly of you and how uh, you kind of that mentor relationship, you kind of, uh, you, you really helped him. He said he grew up down, this, down the street. And uh, so it was really cool to kind of hear how, uh, you know, you are also, uh, you, you had a mentor relationship uh, that really kind of bolstered your, your career path as well. Uh, it, you were also a part of the Indianapolis Colts radio network. Is that true? Yes, uh-huh. I did that for about six or seven years. So, was there ever uh, was there ever kind of a decision for you? Did you ever think, oh, I would love to do football, or I would love to do basketball? Did you just love broadcasting in general, or is there a specific sport like basketball that you just you kind of head over heels for, and you would do other things as well, like the like the motor speedway, like the Colts? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, if you're a broadcaster, and especially when you start as a play by play announcer you know, your job is to describe what you see. And so that's no different 
with, with any of the sports that you do. And, and in particular at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, when I'm in turn four uh, for both the Indy 500 and the Brickyard, is you, you call what you see. Uh, you're painting the picture for the person that is listening. Uh, but clearly, basketball has always been the sport that I've, I've liked the most. I, I have more experience in that as far as calling games. I, you know, I've got a figure that when you add in um, the Pacers, Butler, uh, the Indiana Fever, and the various high school games and other college games that I've done through the years, uh, I'm, I've got to be, you know, between 2,000 and 2,500 uh, games. And, and so clearly that's, that's always been the sport that I gravitated to and the sport that I really wanted to be involved on a day-to-day basis. Um, uh, so I, I'm, I'm exactly where I, I hoped I would be one day. You, you never know if you'll have the opportunity. Um, but you, you try to put yourself in position that, um, this is, this is something that I was able to do. Absolutely. That's, that's really cool to, to hear the back, kind of the backstory of, of how you got there. What, what was the plug with the Pacers? How, how, before we kind of get into the Pacers season this year and kind of dissecting some of those things, uh, you know, what was the first opportunity that you had with the Indiana Pacers where you kind of, and, and what was that first game like? Well, it, it all started in back in 2000 when the Indiana Fever uh, came, um, uh, the franchise in the, the WNBA okay. franchise, and and so um, they reached out to me um, and and asked if I would be interested in doing the radio for the Fever. And part of it is, uh, you know, this was in 2000. Uh, Butler was having success; had gone to the NCAA tournament in 97, 98, NIT in 99. Uh, made another run in 2000. And so back in those days, the only way you could follow Butler basketball was literally on the radio. They had very few games on television, unlike today. And so um, as Butler's brand increased, so then too did mine, because if you were going to follow Butler and you wanted to listen to Butler, then you had to listen to Kristen Harry on the radio. (laughs) So all of those things were good for me. And so they reached out and asked if I would uh, you know, consider being the radio voice of the fever. And I had left Butler the year before in a full-time basis. And I was working for a group of doctors with Methodist sports medicine center, um, orthopedic surgeons that take care of the Colts. And at that time, Butler and numerous high schools. And I was doing all of their PR marketing, website development, those types of things. And so I went to my boss and and I said, hey, I have this opportunity. You know, I'd really love to do it. It's 34 games, 17 home, 17 road. But I'll understand if you say no, because I have a full-time job, right? I mean, right. that's how I supported my family. Mm-hmm. And they looked at it as a huge positive because they were so involved in sports. They sort of liked that that opportunity came. And I was okay. already staying on as the voice of Butler. And gotcha. so they allowed me to do it. And I would travel and, you know, I, I'd work during the day on my daytime job, work on our website, make PR calls, do press releases, whatever I needed to do. I could do that on a laptop in, in my hotel room. Right. And then um, I did, you know, 34 games um, that summer. Uh, so that was my entree. And uh, I started to do 
the Pacers locker room interviews, like what Pat does now, Okay. Uh, probably around 2004, 2005, when I was the sports director at the uh, Fox station, Fox 59. And then in 2006, when Al Albert retired, if you will, Mm-hmm. Um, Jamie Burns, who's our vice president of broadcasting, and uh, I'd known Jamie for a number of years. Uh, he called me one day. I was at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway during Brickyard Weekend, and he said, hey, you won't believe this, but Al's stepping away, and I think you're the guy for the job. Wow. And uh, so that's basically 13 years ago. That's how I got the opportunity. And, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, uh, you always have to have a champion. And, right. um you know, Jamie was my champion because there were other guys that wanted the job. There were some NBA guys that had been let go in other markets. Uh, Fox liked me. The the NBA liked me, but I had never done an NBA game. Gotcha. Uh, so nobody, I guess, knew if I could really do it or not. I knew I could. <laughs> but um, um, and so, um, you know, I got the opportunity and, and here we are 13 years later. That's awesome. That's super, super cool. Uh, Chris, one thing I, I, I just... Personally, I really respect about the way you perform play by play and how, and how you call the games is, you know, you can especially, you know, talk about NBA Twitter or things like that. You get caught up in talking about the referee so much that you forget about the basketball game. And I know last night doesn't really help what I'm saying, but um, <laughs> I, I, I really, you know, how is that, you know, a, a part of kind of a part of your profession uh, dealing with, you know, kind of your emotions, obviously, in game, uh, you know, you're calling the game. How how do you see as the, the 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 these awesome NBA refs that everybody rags on and tags on, including me because I'm a Pacers fan? Um, you know how does that that front row seat for you kind of shine some light on on the ability of the referees? And my kind of a unique question, but I think so often we just watch on TV and we talk about the the, the Harden travels or or the Bradley Beal most recently. How do you miss those calls? But um, What's your vantage point kind of for the the NBA referees? Well, I do think for the most part, they get it right. I mean, they're going to miss things like everybody else, like a player's going to miss a shot or a coach is going to, you know, make a a bad substitution or that type of thing. My only beast is, and and, and you're right, last night, the Detroit game, I I, I said it was terrible when they missed the (laughs) goaltending call. And and I, I just think at some point, um, there's a realness that you have to be with the fan. I, I mean, I, Quinn and I try to be as objective as possible. I think everybody knows we want the Pacers to win, but we also can't sugarcoat everything because then the fan base um, is never going to believe what you say. Right. And so, um, so it's, it's, it's a line that you walk, um, but I do have my pet peeves. I mean, I, and I've brought these up to the NBA officials when we have meetings NBA meetings each summer or fall. I, I hate mm-hmm. the call where somebody drives to the basket, there's a foul, and they wait to see if the ball's going to go in right. before they make a call. And that's that's one of my huge pet peeves. Quinn knows it. He agrees with me, but he knows that's my pet peeve. Um, you know, we we always play games because I think our job is to inform and entertain. When When you're on the television four nights a week, uh, for you to watch, the people listening to this podcast can can mm-hmm. the, can watch. We have a responsibility. We can't just be boring and you know every night. I mean, you mm-hmm. you people rely on us um, to educate and entertain, and so we'll have Absolutely. fun with the with the block charge call. We'll have right. fun with the clear path and say, "Gee, I'm I haven't gotten one right this year. How do you know what's this one going to be?" <laughs> um, yep. 
So, um, you know, part of it is to be real. Uh, part of it, I, I think you have to have a little bit of an emotional attachment um, because you're 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 dealing with fans that have an emotional attachment. I'm not a right. national broadcaster. I'm not going to the game uh, caring, you know, not caring who's going to win. I, I right. do that when I do Big Ten football or Big Ten basketball where mm-hmm. I, I, I go and I just do the game and I could care less who wins. And at the end of the night, I walk out, and, you know, drive home. Right. I care about the Pacers. I, I care about their standing within the community, within the NBA, uh, with how people see the franchise. So there are going to be times where maybe there's a, uh, some emotion that comes out that doesn't happen all the time. And, right. and uh, again, uh, I, I don't like to point fingers at officials because mm-hmm. you know players make a lot of mistakes and coaches make a lot of mistakes. But if I feel that I see a consistent <laughs> pattern, yeah, I'm probably going to say something. And <laughs> I know I said something, um, you know, in Detroit because I just felt it was a terrible call. Yeah, I, I just, absolutely. I just did, and and I'm going to say it. Yeah, no, and and the thing is, like, we appreciate that on this end. Like, if you know, I, I think sometimes like frustrating for us like the game on the 28th that we're that you know some people say well okay we're losing national television to the tnt but personally it's like no we get to see our guys call the game you know it's frustrating because like the national media and i guess i'm i'm giving you my rant here but the, the national media does such a poor job of covering the indiana pacers and i know i'm a pacers fan um but what how how do you possibly continue espn or tnt or continue to post or NBA.com post things like, you know, the beasts of the East, especially when we had Victor and they would just blatantly leave the Indiana Pacers out on the top. Like they're talking about the top three teams, top four teams in the East. And I guess Philly is more flashy or the Celtics are more flashy, but Chris has a question for you. Like why, why do you think that, I guess, do you validate that? Is that something that happens often and why, if you, if so? Well, I'm looking at ESPN.com right now, and they have uh, their lead story as strengths and weaknesses for the East best teams. And it says the Bucks, Raptors, Celtics, and 76ers can each make a case for becoming the first team not led by LeBron James to represent the East in the final since 2010. <laughs> there's no mention of the Pacers. It's yeah, there's no mention of the Pacers. Now, I do think there are national writers out there. I'm not going to give names, but I talk mm-hmm. to them, and they absolutely respect what the Pacers are doing and, and in some way root for the Pacers, but it all comes down to at some point clicks and where people, where the majority of people are watching. And unfortunately, Indianapolis is a smaller market. It is not Boston. It's not Philadelphia. It's not LA. I mean, you know, there's more made about LeBron and the Lakers potentially not making the playoffs than there are about the Pacers in in third. And I get it. I mean, it's LeBron James, one of the, you know, one of the greatest players of all time in a major media market. And um, I just, we can all get frustrated about it. Um, And it is frustrating. Uh, At the end of the day, you just hope um, that the Pacers can feed off that kind of, right. Um, you know, lack of recognition. And, uh, at the end of the day, if, you know, get into March, April, hopefully to May, maybe to June and just make people eat their words. Um, so at some point, at some point it has to happen on the floor, um, you know, in a playoff situation where, you know, 
I just read the, the power ratings in the athletic. And I think the guy, uh, Zach Harper has the Pacers like eight. He has them eight, but he's right. hopeful that they don't advance to the second round because he wants Bucks, Raptors, Celtics, and 76ers oh, because wow. that's, that's that sexy sells. and that will yeah. sell. Um, even though he says the Pacers are a worthy team, he doesn't want the Pacers to be there. So um, it, it is, I guess it is what it is, and you just have to deal with it. And um, at the end of the day, hopefully the Pacers are in position in in April, um, you know, to make some of these people eat their words. Right, absolutely. And I saw Jeremiah Johnson kind of his exchange with you on, on the, on the bus or the plane, whatever it was yesterday with, it was like, did you see the Lakers lost? You know? And it's like, well, yeah, it's all over my timeline. It's like, we can't, yeah. like, like, it's just, it's so popular that, you know, think when it, when the semantics of the, I mean, I, I get it, but LeBron's important, but the Lakers are important, but you could, you, you could, I guess I, I appreciate you kind of saying, you know, you, there is, it can, can be some frustration from the Pacers fans because, you know, we're looking for that national media, but I guess the last time we we got that was the GQ shoot with the the Paul George yeah. David West. That didn't go so well. That didn't go so well. <laughs> so I guess we could shy away from that. Chris, I'm not going to keep it too much longer. I just got a couple more questions for you. But just speaking about the way the Pacers play, small market kind of blue collar gold swagger kind of thing. Can you tell a difference between the Pacers' chemistry and how hard they play on the floor opposed to other teams? Yes, and I, I can also sense it from other Pacers teams of the past, you know, just mm-hmm. in the last few years. Um, this this group, it, it's it's sort of hard to quantify because you're around it every day and you see it right. every day, but it is something different. Um, uh, just the, the level of chemistry that these guys have on the floor, the way they get together off the floor. Um, you know, and I'm not around these guys all the time. I mean, I'm a 58-year-old guy. Most of these guys... <laughs> It couldn't be my son. Um, uh, you know, it sometimes feels like I'm old enough that I could be a grandpa um, <laughs> at times, even though I don't feel that old. But so I'm not around them all the time, but I'm at practice. I'm at shoot arounds. I have I have good relationships with these guys. I really enjoy, um, you know, talking to them. I think they respect, um, you know, what my background in the game is. Um, they're, it's just a great bunch of guys. I mean, that's the easiest, that's the best thing I can say is that I enjoy being around them. Um, you know, some of them, most of them are younger than my oldest son, who's 29. Um, I just enjoy being around them. And, and so that's sort of a litmus test is that when you enjoy being around people, they're good people. Um, and, and I'm, and, and again, I I think the other thing that they bring is they have a passion and an energy. The thing that I would say a few years ago about the Pacers, those were good guys. I liked them. Mm -hmm. Um, but a lot of them didn't, they didn't bring a passion or they didn't have the same energy that I think you need to have to play. And again, it's, it's not speaking bad about them, but I just, you know, it didn't, it took, you know, two years ago, it took Lance Stevenson coming for the final six games to bring that group a level of urgency and energy that I just felt they lacked. They just were sort of a flat line. You know, that's how they played. Um, and and I think this group, um, you know, plays with an urgency um, collectively. They play with an urgency individually. Um, I, I was texting with a national media person the other day, and I said, what, what, I, what I think is the most impressive thing about this group 
is you have so many of these guys in the final year of their contract. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have not put themselves ahead of the team. They have all worked together uh, to put the team ahead of their own individual interests. And yeah. I think it only has helped the team. And in the long run, it will also help them. Absolutely. Um, because of either the Pacers or other franchises, if you know they don't stay with the Pacers, I hope mm-hmm. most of these guys do, right. um, they will value what these guys have done. And so I, I think that's, I think that's the best thing I can say. And, and I think that's a tribute to Kevin Pritchard and his group with, with how they visualize this team and how they put it together. And the most underrated person, because a lot of times we just talk about the players, mm-hmm. you have to give Nate McMillan and his staff a ton of credit. Absolutely. Uh, because um, they have done a, a, a tremendous job. And, you know, he, Coach Bud at Milwaukee, Nick Nurse at Toronto, mm-hmm. Mike Malone at Denver, all seem to be talked about for Coach of the Year because of what these teams have done. And here's the Pacers, third in the East, with their All Star out for 25 games and out for the season. Yeah. So anybody to say they would have thought back in September that the Pacers would be 40 and 21. Right. with 21 games to play and Victor Oladipo's missed a third of the games, if not more. Mm-hmm. And you'd be in this position, you, you know, call yourself a crazy person. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and to go off that, uh, what little you've seen, does Wesley Matthews fit that kind of same blue collar gold swagger? Oh yeah. Kinda, he fits oh, that yeah. same mold. Yeah. And he brings a lot of energy. I mean, I think he has a lot of, what people liked about Lance Stevenson, I, I think Wesley's a far better player, you know, far better shooter, right. far better overall player than Lance is. But he has that same kind of moxie. He has that, you know, when he hits the three at Bankers Life Fieldhouse and shoots the bow and arrow. Yeah. Fans love that. That's, you know, they love, um, you know, Lance's little antics as well. So I, I think right. Wesley brings a lot of that to the Pacers. And I think it's going to be really cool to watch here over the final 20 plus games. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, Chris, I, I really do appreciate you coming on to the PGM podcast. You didn't have to do that. Um, we're just a small local podcast, but uh, we really respect what you do. We love you and you and Quinn, um, you know, just, just with the color and the play by play. And honestly, we're riding that high for the Indiana Pacers just as much as the team is, you know, with, you know, I unfortunately at the beginning of the year, I said 48 wins, something very similar to last year would be pretty much kind of the watermark for us. Uh, obviously at 40 and 21 with 21 left, I, we're obviously going to break that mark. Hopefully get 50, 50, mid fifties. But uh, I really appreciate you, you, you coming on and, and joining us. Well, Luke, I, I appreciate it too. Uh, we know that every night, uh, again, back to our responsibility, we have great fans and, and uh, I think about, I think about people sitting on their couches or watching on their phones or wherever they are. Uh, consuming Pacers basketball, and we're really pleased that we can be that link. And uh, so, uh, so glad to talk with you and uh, all the people that are listening to this podcast. Yeah, appreciate it. Hey, have a good one. Thanks for listening to this episode of the PGM podcast. We are a part of the Pulse Podcast Network. Please join the conversation on Twitter at PGM Hoops and find our website in the bio. Thanks for tuning in.